Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is from the Sword of the Spirit Bible Conference. This is the second morning service of Sunday the 16th of February 2014, entitled David's Desperate Cry for Revival, and the Bible reading is taken from Psalm 85 verses 1 to 6. Here's Pastor Brian Beaver. You know, sometimes you have to be honest and you have to obey the Lord and I say sometimes, I say we ought to do that all the time, but many times when we do, it's hard because it's something that may take us out of our comfort zone. Uh, you know, for, for, me, for me to give up an opportunity to preach, and, and anybody that's in here that's called in ministry, Pastor Larry and many of you other ones, Brother Nathan travels, for him to give up an opportunity to sing uh, is, I mean, it's hard. And for me to, Carl, to to, to call, that was a hard, one of the hardest calls I've ever had to make. It's besides the one three years ago when I called him and I got a hold of Janie and told him my son passed. That, that was a difficult call, but it was even more difficult in some aspects to call and say, Brother Larry, the Lord's not giving me peace about coming. There's a lot I could say that would give you reasons why, but I will say this. Uh, I probably would have been more of a hindrance than I would have been a help if I'd have come last year. Um, I wasn't in a good place. Um, and thank God He works on us. Thank God He works through us. But you know, Carl, you know, I, I, somebody said about two years ago, I was preaching a meeting in the States, and they said to me, Pastor Larry, they said, you know, Brian, you're not the same person. And I said, you're right. I probably never will be. I'll probably never be the old Brian. Because see, there's tiny little parts of me that's already in heaven. Little pieces of my heart. And I know you've been through that this past couple of years, Carl. You know, I, I, I buried a grandmother who I, I, I wish I could hear her words of wisdom again. I buried a dad who, man, I love to hear him laugh. I miss that laugh, Panos. And I buried a son who I, I, I miss that crooked smile. And, uh, but you know, the, the God of heaven has a way of putting band-aids on our hurts and to put salve on the wounds, Ramani, and to help us get through it. And he's done that for me. Uh, I'm by no means completely rehabilitated, if you will. Uh, most of y'all know that already. If you've known me a, a number of years, you know there's, it's, a, it's a hopeless end to rehabilitation for Brian Beaver. But I thank God that I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. And I've been saved by the grace of God. I know I'm where I'm going because I put my faith in Him and I know this morning that we, every single one of us in here have a need. You know, a great theologian said one time, he said, always preach to the hurting. You'll never lack for an audience. And, and, and there, there are needs that are represented in this room tonight that I could not go through and identify with what you're going through. But I can promise you there's one who does. The God of heaven knows everything that you've gone through. He knows everything you're going through. 
who when he was reviled, he reviled not again. When he was threatening, when he was suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself unto him who judges righteously. I, I'm, I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ identifies with what you're going through. I hope this week will be a, an encouragement to you. I want to be a help to you. I want God to make me a little bit like liquid and pour me out among you. That's what I want. And you know, I, I really am thankful. You can take your Bible and turn to Psalms 85. We'll start in verse number one. But while I'm speaking to you, while you're turning there, let me say this. You know, I, I don't, I don't, I think I've, I think, Pastor, I met Brother Lou once, I, I believe. That came last year. I, I believe we might have met one time. If we did, I, it was such a passing that I, I wouldn't probably know it if we did. I'm going to say this, though. It was God-ordained and it was providential that what happened last year happened. And I'll tell you why. It's because, you know, and, and Brother Nathan and his dad and I are really good friends. I mean, he was, his dad was my Paul. His dad was my, my mentor. But I can tell you this. It's taken me almost 22 years of ministry to realize that it ain't in a bright brine. You know, I, I love to preach. Man, I don't know anything I'd rather do besides maybe play a round of golf. But anyway, but, but I'm just saying, there's a, there's a lot of things. Listen, somebody asked me one time, they said, Brian, how long you want to preach? I said, as long as I can live. <laughs> they said, well, how long you want to live? I said, as long as I can preach. And, 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 but I'm telling you, this ain't the Brian Beaver show. The church of Jesus Christ has a head, and it's him. It ain't about me. And you know what's comforting is to know that I, I can not show up and God still can. Amen? This ain't about me. It ain't really about you. This is all about the, 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 the providential hand of God and Him wanting to use His people in His service, in His work. And the only way you can do that is to yield yourself to Him. You've got you've to give yourself over. And there's some people in here today that I'm sure I'm talking to. And you know what? In the flesh and on the external and all the accoutrements you could put on, you basically have sat in church and said, you know what? Everybody thinks I've given up everything, but the Lord knows I haven't. That may be you today. You know what? I can, I can, I can promise you, you can go through the rest of your life and be okay but never find the will of God. It's time for God's people to say, Lord, I'm running the white flag up. I'm giving up. I hope it doesn't take the death of a loved one. I hope it don't take God taking you to the woodshed, so to speak. I hope and pray that you'll yield and you'll give yourself over the, the, listen, the songwriter said, all to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely loan. It doesn't say that. It said, all to Him I freely give. And I hope and pray that this week will be a culmination of you just doing this. Stop living with your hands clutched to everything you got and turn them over and give it all to Him. God knows when it hurts. The Lord knows the Lord knows exactly what you're going through. I look into the eyes of people that I've known a long time. 
You've known this preacher a long time. And I'm just like one of you. I'm a sheep too. And I found out that sheep lack three things. You know, Romani, a sheep lacks defense. It can't take care of itself. It's not an intimidating creature. They lack defense. Sheep lack discernment. They're kind of stupid. <laughs> you know, I mean, honestly, we're stupid sometimes, aren't we? Don't look at me like that, all right? Well, you know we are. And we lack direction. How many times have we got out there and before we know it, we look up and the rest of the herd, the rest of the flock's out somewhere else and we're all alone. And we go, where's the shepherd at? But I can promise you this, if you lack defense, if you lack discernment, if you lack direction, Jesus said, I am the way. You lack direction, Jesus is the way. Hey, listen, if you, he said, I am the truth. You lack discernment? Are you, are you having trouble understanding what the will of God is? We, we make it so hard sometimes, don't we? I want to determine what the will of God is. I can tell you right now what the will of God is. is for you to serve Him and love Him. You start right there, the rest of it will be gravy. Sorry about my hillbilly colloquialisms. The rest of it will be gravy. You say, preacher, but I lack direction. He said, I'm the way. You lack discernment. He said, I'm the truth. And he said, you know what? You lack defense. He said, I'm the life. You got to put your feet on the solid rock. I think it's an amazing thing that the two men that Jesus spoke of in the parable lived in the same city. Storm came. One had his house built on shifting sand when the storm came and blew it down. The other one built on solid rock. You know what? He had prayed. He had, listen, he lacked direction. He probably lacked defense. He probably lacked discernment. But you know what? You've got to put your life in his. It's the only way you're going to make it. Don't try to philosophically figure out and tackle all your problems. Turn them over to Jesus. And I know I'm telling you something you probably ain't already heard. But you know we probably need to hear it over and over and over and over again. Psalm chapter number 85, look at verse number 1. While you're at verse uh, number 1, let me read a verse to you. While you're in Psalm 85, let me read a couple verses to you by the same psalmist, David. I want you to listen to this in Psalm 57. He said, be, be merciful unto me, O God. Be merciful unto me, for my soul trusteth in thee. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. I will cry unto the Lord most high, unto God that performeth all things for me. He shall send from heaven and save me from the reproach of him that would swallow me up. Selah, think on this. God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. My soul is among lions, David said. I, and I lie even among them that are set on fire. Even the sons of men whose teeth are spears and arrows and their tongue a sharp sword. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. They have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They have digged a pit before me in the midst thereof, or whereof there are there are, they are fallen themselves, Selah. He's saying, you know what? Man, I've been perplexed. I've been going through some tough times. Are you there this morning? You know, I'm convinced we need revival. Not in America, but all over. And revival ain't going to start with a different administration. It ain't going to start with changing parliament. Revival's going to start in God's house. It's going to start with individuals. 
And the reason I know we need revival is because, and I'm not trying to be unkind, but it's looking at the faces of God's people when I preach to them sometimes. We need it. We need a touch from heaven. You know, they took a Gallup poll in the United States not too long ago, and uh, it came with evangelicals. They, 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 they polled evangelical Christians. Now, that's a gamut. That's a, that's a, a wide window of, of, of Christians. But by and large, both, most of these people had claimed the name of Christ, and they, they were called Christian because they put their faith in Jesus. But here's what the poll came to, the, the, the conclusion. One of the questions that, that they asked these people, how, how do you give to the local church that you're in? Now, I'm going to tell you something. Listen, how much you give or even if you give does not measure your spirituality, but I'm going to tell you what obedience to Christ does. How much do you obey God? You know this Gallup poll in the United States of America, it said 37% of evangelical Christians said they give in, they, that they don't give anything, anything to the church, the local church that they're a member of. I know we need revival when you know what? Our churches are splintered and are separated because of hemlines and haircuts instead of God's holiness. You're welcome. We focus too many times on all these rules and regulations. Can I say this? I'm going to make a statement in just a little bit what David said. You know what? He has forgiven the iniquity of his people. He's covered all their sins. You know what? You've been forgiven. You know what? That gives you liberty in Christ. Now, liberty ain't a license. Liberty don't give you a license to go out and do whatever you want to. They, listen, Paul said this, What, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He said, God forbid. How, the, how should we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? The, listen, the liberty that you have in Christ don't give you a license to go do whatever you want to do. That's why I know we need revival. The church is weak and anemic. It's passionless. It has no influence like it used to. And you know what it does, Gareth? It starts with individual Christians. David had a desperation about himself. He said, you know what? They've swallowed me up. They've set nets for my feet. They have digged, they've digged holes that I might fall into and be entrapped and be enslaved. But I love what he says in verse 7 of chapter 57. He said, my heart is fixed. Oh God, my heart is fixed. I looked that word up, Carl. You know what the word fixed means? It means to stand on. It means to be firm. It means to be established. He said, my heart is established. I don't care what winds come. I don't care what storms may arise on the horizon. I'm here to tell you that my heart is established and is fixed on the Lord God of heaven. Hey, listen, David, Paul said, think it not strange Concerning this fiery trial which has come to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. Do you know what? Whatever's going on in your life, it's happened to somebody else. They, listen, Paul told the church in Corinth, he said, For this light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a more exceeding and eternal way to glory. God's got a purpose and a plan in what happens in our life. And it, listen, God is too good to do you wrong and too wise to make a mistake. He doeth all things well. I love that Nathan sang that song. Whatever my lot, you have taught me to say. By the way, it ain't going to be something that you're born with. The Apostle Paul said, I have learned. I have learned that whatever state I'm in, therewith to be content. I've learned it. I didn't listen. It didn't come from birth. I had to learn 
to be content. I had to learn to endure the affliction. I had to learn to weather the storms. Why? Because I've anchored my soul in the rock. What about you today? Is your soul anchored? Or when the storms come, is your ship going to be cast off the mooring and go out into turbulent seas and could be capsized? I want you to look at Look at Psalm 85. Desperate, listen, David's desperate cry for revival. We're in a desperate time, folks. And I have said this a hundred times to you precious people. We are in desperate times. Listen, Dave, listen David said it. Paul said it. Peter said it. The, listen, the apostle John said it. Every single person that walked with the Lord knew that there were turbulent times coming. And you're in, maybe you're in the midst of a, a, a storm that you didn't think that would ever come your way. But I'm here to tell you right now that God is on board. And if He's on board, the boat can't sink. Psalm 85, look at verse number 1. He says, and I love the way he starts this. He says, Lord, Thou hast been favorable unto Thy land. Thou hast brought back the captivity of Jacob. He said, Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of Thy people. Thou hast covered all their sins. Selah. The word Selah means chew on that. Meditate on that. All right? Think about that for a minute. He's forgiven the iniquity of his people. He's covered all their sins. Then look what he says. He said, Thou hast taken away all thy wrath. Thou hast turned thyself from the fierceness of thine anger. David goes on to say, Turn us, O God, of our salvation and cause thine anger toward us to cease. He said, Wilt thou be angry with us forever? Wilt thou draw out thine anger to all generations? And then he makes that great statement. He says, Will thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? He didn't say that thy people may rejoice in a greater love offering, that thy people may rejoice in a bigger attendance. He said, No, I want God's people to be revived so they can rejoice in him. I think many times we don't think we got nothing to rejoice about. I knew I was going to miss seeing that wheelchair here when I came. I knew it, brother. I knew I was going to miss that hug from your mother. I knew it. But you know what? We got a lot to rejoice about. Hey, they be re they they being reunited. Your mom and dad been promoted. Hey man, your dad has met my son and they're in heaven together. He's met my dad. Hey man, they're having a great reunion. They're waiting on us. And though sometimes we don't think the order's right, you know, I thought I'd welcome Panos, Seth to heaven, not Seth welcoming me to heaven. But to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. And I'm here to tell you that we have a great hope. Many times we think of the word hope and we say, you know, we, we hope it's going to be good weather tomorrow. Uh, in England, that's kind of a scarce thing. But anyway, we hope that we do good at uni. We hope we get that job promotion. Can I say something? As great as the word hope is, it is a temporal word. But the word no is an eternal word. I know that my Redeemer liveth. I know whom I believed and am persuaded that He is able to keep that which I've committed, Steve, unto Him against that day. I know, being confident in this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in me will perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. I know these things. What do you know? See, I'm convinced that though salvation is, listen, based on knowledge, it's based on emotion. I, I know that. That's not why God saved you. That's not how God saved you. See, it is, listen, as much as I want to tell you that 
What you know is important. What you do is important. And how you feel is important. Can I get a witness in here to anybody when you got saved, you felt better? Amen? Come on now. That was partial. Y'all get about a C minus on that. Now, that wasn't even nobody said amen right there. When you got saved, you feel different. You feel better. It's because the weight and the guilt and the burden of your sin has been taken off of you and it was put on Christ. That's better. You feel different. You feel better. Let me tell you something. I, I know a lot of people in here has got a great knowledge about what the Word of God says. You know what? Some of you in here have done more in your life than I'll probably ever do in my lifetime. But you know what? Salvation ain't got nothing to do with what you know, what you've done, or how you feel. Salvation's about who you are. You are a Christian. And Christianity is not a doing religion. Christianity is a done religion. Jesus Christ finished it all. He, it's done. But yet we're still living in this performance mentality. You know, I'm not a great preacher because I wear a suit and get up here with a lapel mic and shout and spit and slobber all over everybody. That don't make me a great preacher. What makes me a great preacher is what I do on Monday morning. What makes me a great preacher is if I'm living Jesus Christ, letting Jesus Christ live through me, Steve, on Thursday morning. What I do with my children, my family, that's what makes me a good Christian. Now listen, not because of a performance, not because of knowledge, and not because of emotion. It's because of who you are. You're a child of the King. A child of the King with Jesus, your Savior. You're a child of the King. Stop living like a pauper. Start living like a prince. Amen? Well, I'm just a poor old Christian servant. Ain't got much. Got three hubcaps on my car. Paint's falling off of it. Ain't got much food. I'm going to tell you right now, most of you got more in your refrigerator right now than most people do in Kenya ever will have. You're welcome. Ain't got much. And I'm going to tell you right now, God has met your need. You're here this morning. You're wearing clothes. You've eaten this morning. You've had your cup of tea. You know, everybody's been taken care of. Amen. Uh-huh. As far as I can see, we're doing pretty good. And God's on the throne. And by the way, he said in Genesis 18, 14, is anything too hard for me? God can take care of you. Hey, listen, I know there's times when we have to cry out desperately. Our heart cries out. I said it last night when we were talking to the folk here at the retirement home. David said, Oh Lord, thou art my God early, will I seek thee? Can I ask you a question? If sometimes our, our belief in God is shaken because of what we see in these trials and the evil that's happening to us, and it makes us turn our back, sometimes, and walk away. What else we got to run to? <laughs> I mean, think about that, folks. What else can we run to if it ain't Him? I can tell you this, even in my desperate hour of need, Pastor Larry, and I didn't know the answer to the questions. I know that God already had one. And I said this this morning, they say time heals. I want all of y'all to look at me right now. They say time heals. There's a Greek word for that. It's called baloney. Time don't heal. I'll tell you what time does. Time, Malcolm, is a revealer, not a healer. Time reveals to us when God's going to heal us. 
So you got to do what David did. David said, I waited patiently on the Lord. You got to do what Isaiah said when God spoke to Isaiah. He said, you know what? They that wait, Isaiah, on the Lord shall renew their strength. You're going to have to sometimes wait. And we don't like that four-letter word, do we? W-A-I-T. We don't like it. I don't like to wait in line at a restaurant. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to go somewhere where I can eat quick, like now. I like the word N-O-W. Amen? I'm not going to wait for the yellow light. I'm going to put it on the floor and get through it. Amen? Not wait until the next time. We're impatient and God says, you know, sometimes we got to wait. I want you to look at what David said here in Psalm 85. He said, Will thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? A couple little points I want to give to you and then we're going to say amen and go to the house, all right? Number one, I want you to look at this. David's desperate cry for revival started with this. The acknowledgement in his cry was number one. He acknowledged, he acknowledged God's favor. Look at verse number one. Lord, you have been favorable unto your land. He said, Lord, I know that you have extended mercy and favor to us. Can I say this to everybody in this room? You need to thank God this morning. And when you cry out desperately, number one, acknowledge that God has been favorable unto you. You know what the word favor means? It means grace. God's extended grace to us. Not only that, but you know what? Look at verse number, look at verse number one, the latter part of it. And I love the fact that God extends grace. You know what? You were saved by grace. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, don't have time to go into it, but you know what? You were saved by grace, not of works, lest any man should boast. You don't get saved because of what you do. You get saved because of what Jesus did. Amen? And so you need to understand that the grace of God has been extended to you. Lamentations 3, 23 and 24. It's of the Lord's mercies that were not consumed. His compassions fail not. They're new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. So you've been, listen, Excuse me. You've been extended grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found was blind, but now I see. Wonderful grace of Jesus. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord. Listen, there is not adequate words to describe what grace really is. But can I say this? Grace is getting what you don't deserve. It's getting what you don't deserve. Hey, listen, in the desperate hour of your need, when the desperate hours in those wee hours of the morning, when you're in the darkest place of your life, let me tell you this. You better go ahead right now and make some decisions early on in your Christian life right now that when you get into the darkest hour, you don't have to try to make those decisions. You understand what I'm saying? You need to go ahead right now and put your feet on the floor and firmly stand before Jesus Christ and say, you know what, I'm going to serve you and I'm going to love you. That's the problem. As many Christians, the reason why they need revival is because they think God just saved them to serve Him. God didn't just save you to serve Him. God saved you to enjoy Him. That's why a lot of people don't have revival and they look like they've been sucking on lemons for about five months. It's because they don't enjoy God. you got to learn to enjoy Him. God didn't save me to be miserable. But some people sure do act like I got saved just to be miserable the rest of their life. I don't understand that. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen? David's desperate cry is he said, you know what, I'm going to acknowledge, Lord, number one, that you have given me favor. You've given me grace. I'm going to tell you right now, we've all been blessed. I think about all these little youngins that's running around and some that's even on the way. Amen? 
Think about all these precious little children. You know, Panos was talking to me last night. He said, man, he said, I'm having more fun in a barrel of monkeys with my daughter. I said, amen. It's fun, man, to have a kid, to have that child and them love you and be totally dependent upon you. Don't get used to it, brother. They get about 15 and they say, I don't want to have nothing to do with you. That's about what happens. But you know what? It's wonderful to see that life, to see that precious little grand boy running here. You know, that's awesome, man. See, you kiss him right on the forehead. You know, it's the image of what you were, were when you grew up. Thank God he don't have a beard yet. That'd be weird. But anyway... <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying, man, it is, listen, God has been good to us, amen? You know what that is? That's His grace. Some people say, you know what, well, you don't understand, preacher. My rights uh, allow me to do what? Can I say this? The only right you got, the only right you got is to spend an eternity is separated from Almighty God. Thank God for His grace. I'm saved Steve, by grace. Once God saved me by grace, I ought to stand in God's grace. Romans 5, 1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We ought to stand in the grace of God. See, when you get saved by grace, you ought to grow in God's grace. See, it's, God's been good to you. Everybody in here, you know, you got, you know, I mean, you got clothes on your back, you got food on the table, you've got family around you. Praise the Lord. Thank God for it. That's God's grace. We don't deserve anything but hell. But not only that, I want you to look at verse number one, latter part of it. He said, Lord, you've been faithful unto your land. You've brought back the captivity of Jacob. What's, what's another word for Jacob? Israel. All right? He said, you've brought back the captivity of Israel. He said, literally, the words brought back means you've set free. You've set free those that were captive. The nation of Israel. Lord, you've been good to us. See, you know what? When we have his cry of desperation, understand this. The reason why David was writing this to the people and it was a song. Who would have ever thought the little shepherd boy who humbled himself and, listen, at 13 years of age, allowed the, the God of heaven to use him, would be sitting now writing when he went through all the trials he went through. And you know what? Millions of people have been encouraged because of David's songs to, his, listen, to the nation of Israel and we would be encouraged by the words. Listen, you never know. You never know what a life that's been delivered, that's been, listen, given grace and favor and then given, been given freedom will do in somebody else's life. See, you've been given favor, but number two, you've been given freedom. You've been set free. You know, I love, I love preaching here. Now, I will say it's different, okay? I, I'm going to say that, and I don't mean a different in a bad way. I'm just saying it's different. See, you go to America, and most of the stuff that I'm here talking about, you literally, literally, I'm not lying, you literally have to let people calm down and just kind of calm down before you go to your next point because, wow, wow, just acting like a bunch of crazy people. But you know what? I have found this out. You can shout real loud on Sunday, but it's how straight you walk on Monday that really matters. And there's a lot of people that's shouting on credit, <laughs> if you know what I'm talking about, okay? They, 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 they shouting on credit. 
They haven't really applied the things of God to their life. And you know what? They're shouting just so that it'll be an emotional experience. But I love this place because you know what? Even though there are two dichotomies, when you talk about environment, Pastor Larry, and you know you've been there, you've got a different environment here at Bethel Free than you would at my church, so to speak. But you know what? There's the same spirit of liberty in both places. I love preaching to a place where I got freedom to just let her rip. Amen? Just preach by letter. Lean back and let her rip. I like it. I don't want to preach at a place where it's stiff-necked and uncircumcised of heart and there's just such a, such a stifling spirit in the place. I want to preach where there's some freedom. Sounded a little bit like Braveheart right there. Didn't it? Freedom! <laughs> but here's the thing, folks. We have got to get to the point to where we, when we desperately cry out to God that we thank Him. We thank Him for His grace. We thank Him for His favor. We thank Him for His freedom. You've been set free. You're not a prisoner no more. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. See, you're not your own. So don't live like it. You've been set free. Okay, I got to move on real quick. Number one, he said, you know what? My desperate cry includes me thanking you, Lord, for your favor. Thanking you for your freedom. But look at verse 2. Look at verse number two. I've got to move quickly now. Verse number two, he says, Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Thou hast covered all their sins. Selah. He says, you know what? I'm going to acknowledge, Lord, that you've given me favor. You've given me freedom. But number three, you've given me forgiveness. You've been, listen, you, you've been extended forgiveness. Some of you in this room, you know what? The reason why you don't have revival in your life is because you're holding on to a grudge, you're holding on to something, and you will not forgive. I'm going to tell you right now, the cancer that is eating the church of Jesus Christ up today is unforgiveness. Well, preacher, you just don't know what they've done to me. I don't give a rip what they've done. I don't care what they've done. The fact of the matter is, it's not important what they've done. What's important is how you've reacted to it. You're going you to let a little trivial issue at, at, at work or in your family, you're going to let that affect you for 15, 20 years? Hold on to something for 30 years. Let it go. It's time to let it go. You've been forgiven. And those who have been forgiven know how to forgive. When you run to Calvary and you see what Jesus did for you, it's, listen, it's a whole lot easier to extend forgiveness to people when you know what He did for you. Amen? Have you had your beard plucked out? Have you had somebody put a bag on, have you had somebody put a bag over your head and beat you around the head and shoulders? Have you had somebody beat your back to look like hamburger meat? Have you been put down on a cross and literally voluntarily lay your life down and somebody drives steak, Roman steaks through your wrist and through your, your feet? No, you've not had that done. Can I tell you this? If Jesus can say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, I promise you, you might say you can't forgive. You won't, you'll never say I won't. You can forgive people because you've been forgiven. But look at verse number four and we'll be done. Excuse me, verse number three. 
David's, de listen, desperate, deliberate. And by the way, if you're ever going to get a hold of the horns of the altar and you're ever going to do business with God, it's going to be desperation. I promise you this. David was not somebody that just got on his knees with a little cup of tea and a little biscuit and said, Lord, bless all the missionaries. Lord, bless our needs. Lord, meet our needs. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. No, that's not what David prayed. David said, Lord, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. He said, wash me truly from iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. He said, Lord, behold, you're you shaping me in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden parts thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Then he said these words, create in me a clean heart, O God. This was not a man that was saying, Lord, bless me. Lord, protect me. Lord, keep me. No, he was saying, God, please restore the joy of thy salvation to me. Desperation. Oh, how many times we get down, oh, Lord, please, I pray. Lord, let Villa win one nil today. Oh, God, I pray you'd help them to win the game. We get so desperate and so eager and so earnest about some trivial little stuff in our life. Lord, please help me pass the test. No, when's the last time you got down and as George Whitfield prayed, Lord, give me souls or take my own. When's the last time you got down for you, your mom or dad or your brother or sister, you know if they died tonight... They'd split hell wide open. And you got down and you begged God to save them. I know a boy that went to Bible college with me and he said, he said, Brother Brian, you won't ever know how much I can thank my, my God but thank my mother for me being saved. I said, what do you mean? He said, I walked in after four years of college, secular college. He said, I was lost, and I'm going to say this. He said, I was lost as a ball in high weeds. Amen. I mean, that's pretty lost. He said, I was lost as a ball in high weeds. You ever play kickball and you lose a ball out in the fit? Well, y'all, y'all about concrete all over the place here, but anyway. Anyway, moving on. He said, I was as lost as a ball in high weeds. He said, I walked in off the bus coming home for Christmas holiday. And he said, I walked into my house and I heard my mother as she was on the floor in her bedroom praying these words God, if it would help my son come to Calvary, I pray you take my life right now. Because she knew how much, how much he depended on her. See, every one of us in this room have something we're holding on to. Something. A little anger. A little envy. A little, a boy, God must be impressed with what I've done. Boy, God couldn't do what he does without me. You holding on a little bit of that pride? Holding on a little bit of that, that bitterness? holding on to a little bit of that lust of the flesh and won't let it go, God has a way of allowing you to unloose your fingers and let it go. David said that, listen, look at what he says in verse 3. Thou hast taken away all thy wrath, thou hast turned thyself from the fierceness of thine anger. You know what I'm thankful for? I'm thankful that David, in his desperate cry, he thanked God and acknowledged God's favor. He acknowledged God's freedom. He acknowledged God's forgiveness. But fourthly, he acknowledged God's fierceness turned from him. Do you understand today that you're not a candidate for the wrath of God anymore? You put your faith in Christ. The wrath of God's been taken off of you. You know, I love this. I love that they've got a commercial, Tenica, in the States now. It says, you know, it's this spiritual commercial where it says, there's two buses. One of them's going to heaven, the other one's going to hell. You make a choice which bus you're going to get on. You know what the problem is? The problem is we already own one of them buses. 
See, the Bible says, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned what? Already. You listen, you don't get off of one bus to get on the other one. No, um, excuse me, take choices. You were already on a bus before you got saved. You were already on the bus going to hell. You have to get off the bus going to hell and get on the one going to heaven. That is a conscious decision that you have to make. And when you do that, Steve, the wrath of God is taken away from you. I'm glad that God's people don't have to go through the tribulation. By the way, that's a major doctrine that we need to start preaching is the pre-tribulational rapture of the church. God ain't going to let us go through that. The Bible says, hey, listen, those whom he saved, he is going to keep from the hour of temptation. We're not going to go through it. He's going to keep us from it. Do you know what? Here's what's sad. There may be somebody in this room, you know what, if the rapture took place before we say the last amen, you'd be left behind. And you've heard how to get saved. You've heard how to be, become a Christian. You know that you ought to put your faith in Christ. Repent of your sin, turn to Jesus Christ. You say, I'll do that when I want to do it. No, you won't. The Holy Spirit of God is drawing you. He's convicting your heart. If you need to come to Christ, you need to do it before it's eternally too late. But you know what? When you do that, thank God His wrath has been taken away from you. You won't have to endure. Uh, listen, hailstones the size of a town, 100 pounds apiece. You won't have to endure uh, demon locusts that are going to be released out of the bottomless pit during the tribulation that weigh 1,500 pounds apiece and they have a leader over them called Apollyon and Abaddon, which means destroyer. You're not going to have to endure that because you've been saved by the grace of God. The wrath of God don't abide on you. But then David changes gears and in verse number 4 he says, Turn us, O God, of our salvation and cause an anger toward us to cease. He didn't say, Turn, God, of our salvation. He said, Turn us. See, David, David wasn't saying, God, I want you to understand. We need, David acknowledged that they needed to turn back to him. Now, this is my question to you before we say, we say our last prayer. There may be somebody in this room, and you know what? God's been trying to turn you around. And not that you ain't been saved. You may be a believer. And you know what I said just a little bit ago? You can be okay and never experience revival. You know that? You can be okay and go through your life and be in church and, and do some things for God and never experience revival and just live the rest of your life okay. I'm here to tell you that David was so desperate, he said, you know what, Lord, I'm not, con I'm not content with okay. I want more. He said, I want you to understand, Lord, I know how much favor you've given me. I know how much freedom you've given me. I know how much forgiveness you've given me. And Lord, I know your fierceness has turned from me. But Lord, I know I need to turn back to you. He said, turn us, O God, of our salvation and cause thine anger toward us to cease. Can I ask you a question today? What trial are you going through that you've allowed? You say, preacher, I don't have a hold on it anymore. No, but you know what the problem is? It's got a hold of you. You may have probably tried to let it go, but you know what? You ain't released it completely. Somebody said one time, well, you know what? I've forgiven everybody. Uh, they've forgiven me. I've gotten forgiveness from God, but I can't forgive myself. Well, you know what? You don't have the authority to forgive yourself. That's what some, hey, some psychologist on the radio will tell you that. You've got to get better self-esteem. You've got to forgive yourself. No, you can't forgive yourself. You don't accept, listen, you don't achieve forgiveness. You accept forgiveness. You don't work for it. You just accept it as a free gift. And some of you in here, you know what? You're holding on to stuff. If you're going to have revival in your life, 
You need to acknowledge the desperate cry of David when he said, Lord, you've been favorable unto me. Lord, you have set free the captivity of Israel. Lord, you've forgiven the iniquity of people. Lord, your fierceness and your wrath and your anger has been turned away from me. And because of that, God, I want to turn back to you. You know, one of the greatest things, that, one of the greatest evidences that I know when I need revival is when there's a coolness in my heart toward those that aren't saved. I walked through the airport in Turkey. We, th we flew through Istanbul and stopped there overnight just a few days ago. And I walked through that airport in Istanbul and I looked at all those people. And as I flew into that, into that city, I, I saw things that what looked like smokestacks all over the city. It wasn't smokestacks, it was kasbahs. It was, the, it was the Muslim temples that were built all and erected all over that city. And I thought about what Paul endured when he went into that place and preached the gospel to the first European convert. When my heart begins to grow cold toward the souls of men, I know I need revival. When my labor for Jesus Christ begins to wane and wax and other things are more important like golf and like things of that nature and whatever it is in your life, you know what it is. But I want to ask you a question that Jesus looked at one of his greatest followers and said, Do you love me more than these? Do you really love me more than these things? My prayer today is, you know what? This will be the start of revival in the hearts of the people at Bethel. But it's got to start with you. Let's pray. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Nobody looking around. Today you'd say, preacher, I want you to pray for me. And God's been speaking to my heart. I've been going through some issues in my life. And I just, I just want you to lift me up. I, I, need, I need to have that desperate cry like David did for a touch from heaven. And I just want you to lift me up. I'm not going to point you out, but if you'll just raise your hand up and then put it back down, I'll pray for you. God bless your heart. God sees the hands that represent the hearts. You can put them down. Father, in Jesus' name, during this invitation time, Lord, I pray that you'd have your will in your way. Speak to hearts in the only way you can. And God, help us to realize that you've given us favor. You've given us freedom. You've given us forgiveness. But you've let your fiercest be turned away from us. And to God be the glory for that. But help us, Lord, to turn back to you. We'll love you and praise you for what you do because we ask it in Jesus' name and all God's people said, 